So Money episode 904, Krista Williams and Lindsay Simsick, co-hosts of the Almost 30 podcast. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. We've signed up to be the guinea pigs for people to ask the stuff that could be embarrassing, to say the things, um, you know, whether we're talking about finances or relationships, we're not afraid to go there and um, experience things or feel things or share things that others may be afraid to. What were you doing when you were almost 30 or what do you hope to do when you are almost 30? My guests today are using this period in their lives to create a media company and a community for people who want to learn about wellness, entrepreneurship, spirituality, self-development, and everything in between. Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Krista Williams and Lindsay Simsick are social media influencers, bloggers, and podcast co-hosts of the very popular Almost 30 podcast. They've got over 12 million downloads. They have fans in over 150 countries. It has become a community and a resource for a lot of people who are looking to become the best version of themselves and navigate career transitions. And the two of them know a little something about transitions. Both were feeling stuck in small towns and moved to the big city to pursue their dreams along the way, dealing with anxiety, in some cases depression, and they fell upon this podcast more first as a way to just talk about all of the struggles and pains and questions that they had in these formative years in their lives, and along the way built a massive business that has positioned them now as leaders in their generation. Very excited to learn how they did it and so much more. Here's Krista Williams and Lindsay Simsick. Krista Williams and Lindsay Simsick, welcome to So Money, my almost 30 nation leaders. Yes, thank you so much. We are so happy to be here. I'm Krista Williams, so if you hear my voice, this is what I sound like. (laughs) And I'm Lindsay Simsick, and uh, we're big fans of your show, so thanks for having us on. Thank you. I want everyone listening to subscribe to Almost 30, even if you're 45. I think that the the topics that you tackle on your lifestyle podcast is so relevant and so in the zeitgeist of where people are, you know, where they are in their lives right now, whether you're struggling with, uh, you know, a crossroads in your life, a professional conundrum, money, you know, lifestyle, wellness, relationships, you really do cover so much. And the two of you have amassed, you know, a huge following, 12 million downloads and counting in just a few short years uh, with your podcast. And I love the genesis of this collaboration because it really just started from a place of curiosity and not really like having a big plan, right? You're just friends who wanted to have conversations. And what do you think it is about your collaboration that is so successful? Because I've listened to a few uh, episodes and they are professionally done. And, you know, but the two of you are not like, you know, you're not, you haven't broadcast 
radio people from, for you know <laughs> years and years. And I think that's also why it's so charming and, and like raw and authentic. But what is it? A, what is your secret sauce? I'm taking notes here, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't think you you need to take notes. But um, this is Krista, and I I think it's really the fact that we are everyone that listens in a way. Like we never claim to be experts. Lindsay always reminds us of that, but we never claim to be experts. We never claim to know it all. So when we're asking the questions, we're asking the questions that may seem silly, that everyone wants answered, that everyone wants to know. And we've signed up to be the guinea pigs for people to ask the stuff that could be embarrassing to say the things, um, you know, whether we're talking about finances or relationships, we're not afraid to go there and kind of um, experience things or feel things or share things that others may be afraid to. And the women and our community that listen seem to really resonate, you know, with that. Yeah. And I think too, just giving people a look at what's really going on in real time, you know, and we take the beginning of our podcast, especially where Krista and I kind of catch up, talk about current events or what's going on in our life or in the community. And we are committed to being super honest. And sometimes it's a little messy and we don't say things the perfect way, but people relate because everyone's kind of trying to figure it out themselves as well. So if we can make people feel a little less alone, you know, then we've, we've done our job. So, you know, we're learning a lot. We're learning a lot as we build the business, as we become more known, Um, and we're willing to do it no matter what we're willing to do it imperfectly and just be, I don't know, just a friend to anyone out there who needs one. Well, you definitely have your ear to the ground. That's for sure. I think a great part of being, um, a a fantastic interviewer is your, you have to be a really strong listener and, Um, you know, wondering, as you have now had so many episodes, you guys are twice a week, your show, you've had, you know, over 200 episodes so far. What seems to be the most recurring question you're hearing from your audience about money? Mm. It's so interesting to see, you know, the evolution of the conversations that we've been having with our audience. We've been doing this for, you know, just shy of three years. And at the beginning, it was all about spirituality and entrepreneurship and then kind of went to relationships. And for the past year, it's been conversations about finances. So as Lindsay and I have grown up, so have our girls. And um, they've just they don't really know anything just as Lindsay and I really didn't, you know, we had a general understanding of, um, how to manage finances, credit and where to invest, how to invest. But as we have evolved as entrepreneurs outside of, you know, having full-time jobs and, um, growing into business owners, we've had a lot of questions. So we've tried to make sure to bring people on that are experts, but the majority of the questions are just related to, for a lot of them, how to pay off college debt. Um, is it possible? How is it possible? How does, how does one even plan to do that? If I have enough money to invest or if I should pay off credit card debt first and then invest, or what sort of choices should I be making as it relates to finances and the finances that they do have? Um, and then investments, you know, what makes sense for them? Where should they be investing? How active should they be with their investments? How passive they should be with their investments? I think it really seems 
you know, for someone else that could be really versed in financial literacy, it seems very, um, uh, you know, juvenile, I guess, but we all just really don't know as much as, you know, we would like to as women and we weren't ever versed in that. So it starts from, from the very beginning of finances and kind of runs the gamut. And we've also had conversations around asking for, the pay that we deserve. So we've had conversations recently with Manisha Thakur, with uh, Kat Sadler, uh, formerly of E! News, who was being paid one third of her male, what her male co-host was being paid. And so having these conversations and how we should be starting the conversations within the workplace has been super empowering to our community. It's been super empowering to us, even though we are entrepreneurs and have our own business, you know, how to be confident and know our worth is something that we are learning and has really translated into partnerships and, you know, earning money that we're really proud of. And that feels really good. Yeah. And I think just in addition to that too, it's this whole thing is really the start of financial transparency. So, you know, Lindsay and I being transparent about things, our guests being transparent about things, hopefully encouraging the women of our community and our listeners and almost 30 nation to be more transparent with one another about finances and their family and men and their relationships, you know, whether they are with men or women to release a shame that they potentially have around money so that we can actually have these conversations and then begin the learning. I love that. Yeah. Transparency is so important. And I think that we're so much more willing to share other things about our personal lives. I'd rather tell you how many, like, I mean, I won't tell you, but some people might say like how many more sex partners they've had or like what, you know, what their medical records reveal. They won't tell you what they make, but they'll tell you a lot of other deeper. I feel like if, I mean, for me, those are like scarier things to reveal, but I think culturally we're much more comfortable talking about sex and religion and death and politics uh, way before we're willing to talk about money. But I think it does take some brave souls <laughs> to be the first to, to say, here's what's, here's what's going on in my life. Here's the mm-hmm. fact, you know, like Kat Sadler. So that was your most recent episode that she, we as, you know, famously quit E! News because she was, because of the pay disparity. And that was kind of um, what we needed to see and hear, because I think, I think that had a really positive domino effect and continues to have a really positive impact on every, for everybody, like everybody wins when you're transparent. It's not just women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's scary. And it's really releasing the shame that people potentially have around money or the fear. And I think we as women take that on much more than men in our socialization as grow, you know, as we grow up. So first learning about that and then hopefully working with that ourselves and then being an example for our community and providing a platform and a space for women to have those conversations is super important. The two of you are now running a business and with that comes its own set of financial kind of rules and guidelines. And for people who are maybe working a nine to five, it's a little bit more cookie cutter. Like you got the 401k, you have the paycheck that's coming in every two weeks. So there's a little bit more of a consistent kind of financial rhythm in your life. Whereas as entrepreneurs, it's really, um, you know, you eat what you kill. And I'm curious to learn from the two of you and for so many people in my community who are maybe in this boat of self-employment, what has been some of the ways that you've you know, navigated your finances as entrepreneurs 
And also within your age group, also like a lot of people don't experience what you're experiencing until later in life being self-employed, but you're doing it now, which is learning, which is great, but also probably comes with a lot of learning curve. Yeah. And, um, this is Krista. So I was actually in the corporate world for the first eight years of my career in, uh, digital marketing and management consulting. So my experience up until this up until a year ago when I quit and we went full time to almost 30 was strictly in the um, uh, corporate world and having the 401k, having the biweekly paycheck, having the benefits and everything like that. So um, I'm kind of learning the process now with entrepreneurship, how, how that works and how to structure and manage our business and how to structure and manage our finances. But it is such a freeing and liberating feeling that with almost 30, I see the direct results of the work that I put in. Um, you know, I'll never forget before I quit my job a year ago, seeing, um, you know, Lindsay and I making in one speaking opportunity that we had. So me doing something that I love, doing something that I'm passionate about, making my two week paycheck. And I just realized at that point that the energy and time that I could take doing something that I loved where I would work harder, work smarter, um, enjoy myself more. And I, the fact that I could potentially make an unlimited amount of money. And I think that switching my mindset and realizing that I didn't have to wait for the the 40 hours a week. I didn't have to wait for the 80 total hours for the biweekly paycheck was huge for me. You know, it was a huge, um, shift in my mindset and understanding of the way that my life could be as an entrepreneur. But you know, we're learning this in real time and it's definitely not perfect. And we're learning the seasonalities of our business. We're learning, um, you know, how to structure pay. Um, we're just starting to look at investments with everything. And we definitely learned something this year when we had to pay, um, the taxes on the business. Um, you know, we were never taught that we didn't go to entrepreneur school. We didn't, we didn't have family members that were in the same position that we were. So it's just, all part of the process and taking it step by step and, and really taking it on as owners rather than victims of the situation and, um, trying to do the best that we can by our listeners and community and by our team. And then, you know, by us as well. And I would say too, that we treated this as a business very early on. So we started making money, um, and it wasn't a lot, but we were making money about five months in Mm -hmm. and, so we took it seriously, you know, we took it seriously from the get, but mm-hmm. when we started to make money, we, we definitely felt the potential. We didn't know exactly where it was going, but we felt the potential and we took it very seriously. And, and we hope to be an example in that way where you, we can lift the shame off of, Oh wow, we can do something we love and make money. Yeah. And you know, this is what's going to happen for a lot of entrepreneurs are who are doing what they love is that they're going to get feedback from people they love about what they're doing because one people want to be doing that. And so they project their own insecurities onto them. But two, you know, I, I, I do think there's not enough examples of this creative entrepreneurship, 
uh, out there. So people are are worried for you. They're like, well, do you think you can really make money doing this? Can you make a career out of it? I don't know. Maybe you should have a backup plan. Like, I don't know. Da, da, da. And well, so there's all this fear and doubt. But I really I, I'm so proud of what we've done because we've inspired other women to stand confidently in their ideas and in their businesses and make it a full time thing. Um, and so, you know, all that to say, very early on, we were putting the money we made back into the business as well as paying ourselves a little bit. You know, we wanted to put it back into the business to invest in employees, to invest in just growing the community because we just felt so strongly that it would, would pay us back tenfold. I think you hit it on the nail because often we don't really think of a creative outlet or creative quote unquote job as one that can be lucrative or even, you know, make a living out of that, that there is also this like perception that in order to be a successful artist, you have to be a starving artist and successful, not meaning like, you know, making a consistent paycheck, but you know, your, your art is just the best that like through suffering comes great art or something like that. I mean, I've had a lot of artists on this show who say that that's a mind trap that they had to really get themselves out of lots of therapy, lots of reassessing kind of, um, you know, their self-worth and that this is something that is really, it goes back so far that I think it's important to have people like you who are transparent, who are like, listen, you can, you know, you can marry your creative side with your desire to actually make money. And here's, here are the intersections. Yeah. I just, just to add to that, cause I think that's just such a great point. Um, I grew up, like I have always wanted to be an actress, singer, dancer, all the things. And I have never had a, um, corporate job or what people will call like quote unquote, a real job. And so um, <laughs> I didn't realize people I would didn't, really say that. I didn't realize how rude that was until you just said that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, um, wow. Awkward. And, and so I know. what I would be doing is auditioning during the day and then working at bars and restaurants at night and doing random jobs, you know, random fit modeling jobs or whatever came my way. And so many times people would, would refer to my career as that of a starving artist. You know, they just thought like, well, that's what you have to do, right? You have to have a few side gigs and then you audition. And they make it sound so glamorous, right? Like that was probably a compliment. (laughs) It's, It's just so funny because, you know, I've never strayed from wanting all of that. And I still like have that in me, but it's like that, that label I think did affect the way I treated what Mm -hmm. I was doing. Mm -hmm. You know, it was this lack mentality. It was this fear mentality of like, you know, that, well, I guess my career couldn't make me money and I'll Mm -hmm. always have to have a side job. So I really think we need to like one, stop saying that Mm -hmm. and empower artists to be able to do this as a full-time gig. Yes, it takes time. Yes, it takes patience, but like it is completely possible. I can't remember the actress. I think it was um, Emma Thompson um, Mm. or no, Emma, the not Emma Emma Thompson is the the younger Emma. Emma Stone. Emma Stone. She made a PowerPoint mm-hmm. presentation for her parents. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> to be I like, love that. this is what I want to do. Here's how it's going to happen. She, you know, and um, I, I hear this a bit from female actresses and performers that because it's such a male-dominated industry, your chances of being a successful female actress 
that's getting the, the great roles with the big bucks and that you may be creating your own roles and things like that. Like you need a plan because no, that's just not going to show up for you there. I mean, a lot of it is luck, but a lot of it is creating your own luck. But even more, when you hear from people like Amy Poehler and uh, Emma Stone, that there was a, a methodology, like they had a plan B, they had a plan C, but they stuck with plan A, but they also like, they risked manage, you know, and they really like approached it like any other goal. Um, I think is, is those are, I love those stories. Yeah. And I think what we've tried to do too with the podcast is like risk managed by not just being a podcast platform. So by creating a community um, through our ambassador program um, where women can, you know, have meetups in cities where they are and by doing our events and our tour and um, podcast pro and things like that. So, um, you know, as we thought about growing the business, We've always known podcast or for right now, the podcast is our largest revenue generator, but we did want to diversify and ensure that we could, um, you know, be sustaining our income through other outlets if, you know, things were to happen. Sure. Yeah, that's brilliant. So let's go back in time a little bit. I'd love to learn more about your backgrounds. And I know both of you are from um, relatively small towns in America um, Mm -hmm. and and but both, I think I think your friendship was forged later in your twenties. But I can all, I can all I can see how right because you both kind of had these big dreams, felt perhaps limited in the towns that you were in, and really came to LA with big dreams, big hopes. Didn't all didn't all pan out the way that you imagined? Mm-hmm. Which um, I mean, who hasn't experienced that? But you really kind of owned that and turned that into. Um, you're, you parlayed that into other experiences, but like, what is it about maybe your upbringing? Let's talk about money too. Like what about your upbringing kind of gave you a bit of financial awareness or a lack of financial awareness that even as adults now, you feel like those experiences, that one experience really impacted you. Yeah, I think for me, um, my mom has been, um, she's been in the credit industry for my whole life growing up. So, um, you know, she worked at banks and then she did mortgages and stuff like that. So I've had a credit card under my name since I was like eight, she opened up a credit card. So credit has always been been a conversation that we had at our house, whether I understood it fully or not, but it, we always were obsessed with having good credit scores, making sure that we had good credit and we were given an understanding of credit and money and saving at a young age too. You know, we used to get like a hundred dollars a year for Christmas and I'd have to give my mom 50 of it and we'd start saving it. And, um, so there was like a financial understanding from a young age that I needed to save, although I did didn't want to. And that, you know, I needed to have good credit. And when I got to college, I became more exposed to like our financial situation as a family and, um, how exactly I would go about saving money for the things that I wanted. And that was a driver for me from a young age as well was I wasn't given a allowance. I wasn't given anything really beyond, you know, the food, water, shelter kind of thing. They were super kind. And I grew up super um, grateful for everything that I was, that I had, but anything I wanted beyond what they gave me normally, I had to work for. So I started working when I was like 12 babysitting and then worked at a nursing home when I was like 14 or something like that. And um, so at a young age, there was a work ethic and 
instilled in me that if I wanted something that I had to work for it. And so I've always been like that throughout my entire life. Um, it's not like I was set up perfectly with a full breadth and depth understanding of how, you know, the market works or how my, you know, Vanguard accounts will best work in 2019. But I was given a pretty general understanding of things and, um, you know, took some of that information and, and it's helped me. And then some I've obviously left, but that was sort of my background and experience just living in, you know, small town, Ohio. Yeah. And I'm, um, from, a small town in Pennsylvania, just north of Philadelphia. And I, I had almost the opposite experience in a way. <laughs> so, um, but what's interesting is I look back, like, you know, I know that my parents were doing the best that they could because, you know, they, they grew up a certain way and their parents were a certain way as it relates to money and, and understanding it and, and saving it and all those things. So, um, it was not a topic of conversation to be completely honest. Um, I did not learn about credit, credit cards, saving or any of that. I think my parents were focused on focus on your craft, hone your craft, focus on what you love, doing what you love will make you money one day. And so that's really all I got. And, um, it, it, it served me to a certain extent, I think on, um, you know, just pursuing my career and feeling like that was okay to do. And they supported that, um, you know, emotionally, but yeah, I, I learned the hard way to be completely honest. And I've only lived in the most expensive cities in the United States. So it's been, it's been a struggle. I mean, living in New York city in a very small apartment, but living paycheck to paycheck, um, making, working in the bar business and making a load of cash on the weekends. And then like, Oh, okay. So I'll, I'll put this lot of cash in my safe and then I can spend the rest on, you know, bills and, and going out. Right. Like I just kind of figured it out on my own and granted, like I've always been able to make it work, but I mean, I, there have been countless times, especially my life in New York, where I was in the red, where I didn't know how I was, how I was going to pay my rent. And, um, I think those moments taught me so much about my ability to be creative and, and the energetics of money. You know, I found that when I didn't I don't want to say didn't focus on it, but didn't put so much pressure on it. Like it would come in and that, you know, I, I tried not to let my mood be affected by my fan financial, um, situation. You know, it was, it was a boundary I needed to make in order to like actually survive. And then when I came out to LA, things definitely changed and opened up. Um, and you know, it feels really good now, but I'll be honest with you. I am learning every single day. I'm making mistakes every single day, but I'm now trying to track those and just make note of it so that I don't make the same mistake twice and that I am learning as much as possible. I mean, we learned so much on the podcast, but also just reading and, and studying and, and looking to other people who have done done it too, who have been where I've been and have really created a, um, a life for themselves that's is stable and abundant. 
So what did you ladies do when you first started to turn a financial corner? So Lindsay, when you weren't living paycheck to paycheck, Krista, when you started to, um, you know, perhaps feel a little bit more of having some breathing room in your finances. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious. Cause for me, I feel like when I jumped from one job to the next, which I, I doubled my salary from one job to the next in my early twenties, which was a lot of money even for now back mm-hmm. then. And I remember, and I'm, I'm, I'm not embarrassed to say this, but I remember tallying up in my head how many shoes I could buy with the new, <laughs> with the new paycheck and like what my I wardrobe could be updated to and all the uh, material things. And yeah, like I was doing responsible things too, but I immediately just went to the fun stuff and then mm-hmm. I had to reel it back. But, you know, that's just where I was at 24, 25. I really wanted to have the pretty clothes. And when I got more money, that really excited me. So I'm just curious what your personal like moments like that were. Mine was, I started to make good money. Mine was, I've always known in my life, I've always known that um, if I wanted, I just needed to be making more money. It wasn't ever, I've never been that much of a saver. I've never been able to really save. I'm not a huge spender, but I like to travel. I really like to um, not say no. You know, if I want a nice meal, I want to be able to have it. If I want to buy something on a whim, I want to be able to have it. So I've always thought that I either needed to work hard, find another job, find a side hustle or make more money. So when I moved from Chicago to New York, I doubled my salary as well you know, by telling them that I, I, to be honest, I lied. And I said I was making more than I was and they accepted my offer and, um, which is bold, but, um, so that's how I really started to make money and started to figure out that like, if I wanted more money, I just needed to either keep climbing and leaving jobs and moving up the salary rungs at jobs until we found almost 30. And, you know, I was able to make in a way that felt really aligned. Um, but it wasn't until like two years ago with almost 30 that I would spend as much as I was making. So I had a savings that I had started in college and then I've been able to like add in each year with my 401ks and then with various like dividends and stuff like that for my family. But it wasn't until like a year ago or two years ago that I realized that if I wanted to actually save money for a house or family or have a, a nest egg that I needed to actually spend make more money than what I was spending. Mm -hmm. And now I have an understanding of like a set point of money that I make or that I spend each month, you know, give or take a few hundred and then, you know, try and stick, stick a little bit below that if I want to save or just be mindful of how much we're bringing in as a business. Um, but I think it helps to being older and realizing and having more clear visibility into what you want to build out for your life. And then using that as your motivation rather than like, I was the same when I was 24, you know, I wanted, a purse and like Louboutins and and silly stuff. But now it's just your priorities shift. Yeah. It feels so good when those priorities shift. I'm like, I'm just thinking now, like life in New York, I think there was like an emotional void that needed to be filled. So like when I would have money, Mm -hmm. I would spend on things that would make me temporarily really happy. Um, so whether that was like, I don't know, yeah. like clothes or experiences. But I do think like all that to say, like I'm very similar to Krista in that way where, you know, I'm not, I'm not putting away a ton of money per month. It's like, I don't know. I think we make money to be able to spend it and to create a life that 
we love and experience things, um, that will help us to grow and just make us happy. So yes, of course I want to be saving more than I do, but I, I, I don't know. It, it doesn't feel good for me to hoard my money. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I think I will learn a balance right now. What I do, I have a savings account, but then I also have, um, an app that I use, I use digit right now, but there's so many other apps as well. I believe I have another one, but digit is great. Yeah. It's just Mm -hmm. easy. And, and so I, I create, you know, I have like a travel, a travel goal. I have, um, some bills, like I have a cable every, every month, you know, it saves me a hundred dollars or whatever it is. And what's funny is that like, I really don't notice (laughs) that money being taken Mm -hmm. out. Like, which is nice. Um, but it just shows me too, that like, I need to be aware of the little purchases that I'm making that, that might be making a big dent over time. So people always reference the coffee every day. That's not something that like I'm, I'm, I'm looking at, but just small things that really add up over time and, um, doing little experiments where I don't do that for a month and seeing how much I save. And so I I do think I need a playfulness about how I do this and I experiment and I see what works. Um, but yeah, I mean, now it's, it's, it is a little bit more about saving and thinking about the future. So that's kind of where my head's at recently. So a question about spending now, this is a question that actually we're doing in partnership with our sponsor Chase. And because it's the summer and, um, a lot of us will be spending money on travel. Curious to know what's a spend or a save that you like to do when you're traveling, like something you either splurge on because it makes your travel that much better or Mm -hmm. an area that you've learned is worth saving. We actually, we're huge Chase fans. We have our Chase business card and I've been a Chase client for a long time and we use their points when we travel. So that's been really helpful for us. Um, We are people that save on food. We eat really, really well, but we don't really go to nice dinners. We don't really go out to dinner when we're traveling. So we'll have usually fast grab and go healthy food that's, you know, under $50 for both of us and our team for the meal. And then we usually splurge on our hotel or our stay. We've definitely had hotels that haven't been a splurge, but I think that we're learning now that the space that we're in needs to feel really good. It needs to feel restorative. It needs to feel restful. And, um, you know, we just were meeting so many people and we have so much going on with our events. It needs to feel a little bit like home whenever we return to our space. So we definitely splurge on the hotel and save on the food. Mm-hmm. And we try to save on, um, transportation as well. So yeah. we can give ourselves enough time to take the, you know, the city transit, whatever it is, or if it's more economical to rent a car, like we recently did in Denver, we rent a car for a hundred bucks instead of taking, you know, 10, 10 plus Ubers over those three days. So, um, just thinking more strategically like that, we love to walk. So we, if we have time, we will walk places and Mm -hmm. yeah, that's really, that's really helped. It's amazing what, how much money you can save when you actually plan your day out. (laughs) Cause so much of how I spend unexpectedly is because I didn't plan out the day because I mm-hmm. ran out of time at home and now I have to rush in, an, in a lift or whatever to get to the thing. And I don't have time to do the subway. And that was, you know, $25 I could have avoided. 
Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. And we're trying to do that now. We're not perfect about it, but, um, we, we try and plan out our food where we're going to eat. We try and plan out the travel. Um, if we can take public transportation, we will, you burn more calories when you're walking anyways. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll always try and do that. And then too, it's stuff with like bags, you know, checking bags or paying for bags. And there's random things that pop up that you have to be aware of. But, um, by using a credit card with points though, to be honest, it, it really helps to, um, for us when we're booking flights, we can use points a lot of the time. Krista and Lindsay, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. It's really a treat for me to sit down with two strong females who are also podcasters. I look forward to coming on your show sometime in the future. We'll all come whenever you'll have me to talk about all of the stuff, money, careers, kids, and everything in between. Thank you so much and wishing you two a fantastic summer and all the more success. Thank you so much. much. We look forward to having you on the podcast and really appreciate being um, exposed to your community. We're excited to connect with them and grateful that you're continuing to have these conversations that are so needed. You can find Krista and her co-host Lindsay on their podcast, Almost 30, and their website is almost30podcast.com. They're on Instagram at almost30podcast. Hope you enjoyed the episode. If you'd like to share the episode or download the transcript, just head over to somoneypodcast.com. And if you want to send me a question, follow me on Instagram at Farnoosh Tarabi or click on Ask Farnoosh on the website and I will get in touch. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And I hope your day is so money. Money.